Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge, where a car thief gets arrested. Our next Reddit post is from Dago Lago Poo. Let me start by saying that you should never purchase a house in an HOA. It's a complete mess that should be regulated and made illegal. If I had known about HOAs when I bought my first home, I would have never purchased my first home in one. Me and my wife purchased our first home when we were 24 and 25. We spent months looking at houses and areas and tried to find a forever home in a good district for future kids. We finally found a perfect one at a decent price. At first, everything was great. We had a super nice neighborhood with decent neighbors. Well, a few months after buying the house, we rented an RV to go on a trip. And we parked it in the driveway for the three days leading up to the trip to pack it and for me to learn how half the things in it worked. Well, this is when we learned that HOAs are absolutely crazy and our neighbor was on the board of our local HOA. Within an hour of the RV being parked, my neighbor got home and stormed over, demanding that we remove it from his neighborhood. Or he would have it towed and fine us for every hour that it was there. Myself, being an average and normal person, told him to kindly F off and get out of my driveway and told him that if he returns, I'll call the cops because he's screaming like a madman inches from my face. About three hours later, a big rig tow truck shows up, and the neighbor walked over like he was a god and handed me a plain envelope with a letter inside that pretty much said, By order of the HOA, this RV is to be towed. And a fine of $1,500 for violating their rules. While Mr. Crazy board member might not listen to reason, the tow truck guy they found wasn't so fond of entering my driveway and towing a vehicle when I told him that if he comes on my property, I'll call the cops. Once the tow truck driver decided that he's done being involved in this mess and left, the neighbor goes even more crazy and storms off. I call my friend to get his dad's number because he's an attorney and to ask him about this insane letter and fine that I just received and to ask him for legal advice. After speaking to his father, he told me to come down, write him a $500 check, and bring along all the papers that I received when purchasing the home and the current letter that I just received. The next day, he had a very friendly letter sent to my neighbor in the HOA board, basically telling my neighbor to go F himself in legal terms and to leave us and our property alone. I then continued to receive fines of $1,500 a day in plain unpostmarked envelopes that were stuffed into my mailbox that I then turned over to my friend's father and each time he sent another set of letters and contacted USPS to report the incidents. It turns out that putting mail into other people's mailbox is a crime. Who knew? Well, we decided to go on our week-long trip across the state and mildly forget about it all. I was kind of upset that I had to spend $500 to have an attorney send letters, but that's what they do. Fast forward to us returning from our trip, and the RV is back in our driveway for two days so we can unload it, clean it, and then return it. Once again, each day more envelopes stopped in our mailbox, more visits to our attorney, more letters sent, and more incidents reported to the USPS. Well, here's where the fun really begins. Turns out that Mr. Crazy finally gave me a summons to appear before the board. My attorney said that this is crazy illegal because what they've done is use what looks like an actual legal document and properly to summon me to the board. I give another 500 bucks to my attorney and we wait for the date that they set, a Tuesday at 10 a.m. They attempt to keep my attorney out of the room on some board privacy rule, but they quickly shut the hell up when my attorney begins going over their own rules that they're violating. Deep in the HOA book are some very nicely worded rules outlining what makes certain board members ineligible and how they can't serve if they commit certain infractions. Well, guess what Mr. Crazy Neighbor has done? Commit several of these infractions, all documented. 
Also, the cherry on top is that if 51% of the HOA members vote to dissolve the HOA, it all goes away. Well, it just so happens that my wife worked part-time from home during this mess and had all the free time in the world to begin a disband the HOA campaign. Over the course of the next two months, she went around and really began to get to know our neighborhood really well. It turns out that a lot of people dislike the HOA and the power-hungry seniors who act like dictators that run it. The HOA attempted to solve everything by holding no meetings, another HOA violation, and began their own campaign, trying to change HOA rules to keep them from being ousted. And they sent out a fairly racist flyer and letter to everyone explaining the dangers of not having an HOA. And that all the bad people, that is, blacks and Mexicans, will move in and start selling drugs. That our houses would become much less valuable and everything else they could try. It turns out that it's extremely fun to use someone else's own rules against them. The neighborhood even started a fund that paid us back what it cost us to hire the attorney. A few weeks after their failed fear campaign and being forced to hold a meeting, a vote was called using their own rules. The HOA was no more. And all remaining funds were to be dispersed back to the homeowners and the members equally. This never happened. Turns out, somehow, the HOA used all their funds in the course of the last two months. About half of the former board members sold their homes and moved, including Mr. Crazy Neighbor. I've spent three hours trying to find old news articles about it because it was reported on mostly due to the racist letter sent by the HOA, but it was too long ago so I couldn't find anything. Moral of the whole mess, don't buy a home in an HOA, and if you do, plan to hire an attorney. I have read countless stories about HOAs on this channel, and it seems like every single one has two things in common. One, HOA board members who are complete control freaks. And two, very suspicious accounting where all the HOA members basically spend all the budget on themselves. As far as I can tell, basically every single HOA is just all the people in the neighborhood funneling their money to like three people who spend it on whatever they want. Our next Reddit post is from 360 Entertainment. So this happened around 2008. My buddy Brock had just gotten out of the military after 10 years. He'd started in the Marines, but he transitioned into the Army for the last four years before buying a house in Texas. When he got out, he did a variety of jobs before landing a gig with a repo service. He worked there for a year and he got a lot of wild stories, but this one sticks out the most since he helped a fellow soldier get revenge on an evil ex. Brock was at the office speaking with his manager, whom I'll refer to as Karen. Now, this particular Karen had a lot of Karen-like qualities, but was a force for good if you can believe that. While they were talking, they see a young man enter the office. They immediately noticed that he had two black eyes and his arm was in a sling. The young man, Ben, asked how hard it would be for them to help repossess his car. Karen called over her daughter, Karen Jr., and had her pour Ben a cup of coffee. Karen then asked Ben to tell her a story. Ben began the story by telling her that he had just returned from a deployment. Before deployment, he had been dating a local girl that lived outside of the famous Fort Hood. Not a good idea, by the way. Thanks to a previous deployment, he had managed to get himself a used black Dodge Charger, which was his baby. He further explained that shortly after buying the car, he had met the local girl, who for the sake of the story, I'll call Morgan. Morgan was always asking to drive his car, but he would always decline. When he was getting ready for his deployment, Morgan repeatedly asked if she could borrow the car, but he kept saying no. After much needling, he relented, but only on the condition that she also take care of his apartment until he comes back from his R&R leave. She agreed. Ben left for his deployment while Morgan took care of his place. When Ben came back from leave, he found his apartment immaculate. He pulled his car from storage and drove to Morgan's. 
He spent a few days with her before handing her the keys and heading to his home state to visit family before returning to his deployment. He later returned from his deployment and found nothing but trouble. When he walked into his apartment, he found a layer of dust on just about every surface. It was almost like no one had been there in months. When he checked his bedroom, he found that his room had been torn apart and all of his drawers had been searched and upturned. He tried to call Morgan, but never received an answer. He went to his safe, which was hidden, and found that it hadn't been touched. He then grabbed a spare key from the safe, called a buddy of his, and they went to Morgan's. As they pulled up to Morgan's, he saw a car there that he initially didn't recognize, but as they got closer, he realized that it was his baby. Morgan had the car painted hot pink and put 24-inch spinners on it. He tried the key just to make sure, and the lights flickered as it unlocked. While his buddy laughed, Ben went to the front door and Morgan answered. He asked what happened to his car and she responded, It's my car now. Ben walked away and hopped into his now hot pink mess. As he started the car, four large dudes came out of Morgan's house, one with a baseball bat, and yanked Ben out of his car. They proceeded to beat the stuffing out of him on the driveway before his friend intervened by pulling his pistol on the group. He then took Ben to the hospital. I'm honestly not sure if the cops were called on this. I'd assume yes, but even then, Ben said that his friend drove by Morgan's house a handful of times while he was in the hospital and the car was never there. Karen stared at Ben for a bit before asking for the paperwork. Ben handed the paperwork to her and Karen had a smile appear on her face. She then asked Ben for Morgan's phone number. Ben gave it to her, but wasn't aware of what was about to happen. Karen handed the phone to Karen Jr. who then dialed the number. Karen Jr. then began speaking to Morgan, telling her that they'd met at one of the local clubs and wanted to know if she'd be down to party that night. Apparently, Morgan agreed, and the plan was set. Brock parked his tow truck at the club and waited. Sure enough, Morgan showed up with the pink monster, parked it, and went inside with some girlfriends. Brock gave them five minutes before he stealthily drove up to her car and hooked it up. As he was pulling out with the pink monster, Morgan walked out of the club. She saw her car in the tow truck and began trying to flag Brock down, but he was already out of there. The next day, it was business as usual at the office when Morgan called. She was furious that her car was stolen by them and wanted it back. Karen, using her best customer service voice, told her that if she had the registration, she could come pick it up. Morgan began screaming louder that she was going to call the cops, at which point Karen sarcastically told her, please do, then hung up on her. As this phone call was going on, Brock happened to look out the window and saw Morgan standing next to a car in a vacant lot throwing what appeared to be a temper tantrum. After Karen hung up, Brock watched her get in the car on the passenger side. Karen then looked out the window and had Brock verify that it was her. Karen then began to smirk. Karen then proceeded to call the owner of the property that Morgan and her friends were occupying. She told the owner about the car and asked if he wanted it towed and the owner okayed it. Brock then drove his truck over to the ladies in the car and introduced himself. They tried to explain that they were waiting for Morgan's boyfriend, but Brock insisted that they weren't allowed to park there. They argued and called him every name in the book. Brock then hooked up their car and lifted it partially off the ground, forcing the two to exit the vehicle. They tore into him until he showed him the tow order. While this back and forth was going on, Ben arrived at the office and Morgan saw him walk in. She ran to the office door and Brock proceeded to lower the car. When Brock went back to the office, all hell had broken loose. Morgan apparently tried to take the keys back from Ben, but he put him in his pocket. She began to hit him on his hurt arm and warned Ben that she'd call her friends to finish the job if she didn't get her keys back. Karen Jr. had already called the cops at this point, and Brock got in between Ben and Morgan. 
even telling Morgan to just try hitting him to find out what would happen. Morgan then tried to play the pity card and said she only wanted the keys to get her laptop out of the car for school. Karen asked Ben to hand the keys over to Brock so that he could grab the laptop. Brock retrieved the laptop from the car and as he was handing it over to her, she rushed to aggressively grab the keys, but instead she knocked the laptop from Brock's hands. Completely furious at this point, Morgan accused Brock of dropping the computer on purpose and threatened to sue us. The cops then arrived and Morgan began her sob story again, telling the police that they stole her car. The police questioned Karen and Karen gave her a casual smirk while asking if they wanted to see the security videos. The police watched and listened as Morgan punched Ben several times and heard the threat she made about sending her friends after him. The police then turned to Morgan, who had turned ghost white at this point. She tried to back her way to the door, but the cops stopped her. They proceeded to ask about the car, Ben's injuries, and who she had planned on sending after him. She initially denied everything, but they already had evidence of her beating him up. She was arrested and Ben got his car back. After the cops left, Ben admitted that he didn't want to be seen in a car that looked like it was advertising for Pepto-Bismol and was planning on trading it for a GTO. We later heard through the grapevine that the four guys who beat up Ben were arrested because Morgan had ratted them out. That was r slash pro revenge and if you like this content then be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new reddit podcast episodes every single day.